Chapter 11 of The Whispering Eye by G.T. Fleming Roberts. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Frame Complete Barbara, the Black Hood said quietly, you're joking. She shook her head. Her lower lip trembled. Black Hood took two steps toward her and saw her gun wrist stiffen. Listen, he said grimly. I could take that penny pea shooter away from you in a second. I want you to know that I'm staying here in this room when every second of delay may spell my death. I'm staying here because if it's the last thing I do, I'm going to convince you that I'm not a killer and I'm not the eye. That picture Joe took, she said, and that confession of the man in the tombs, and you've told me time and time again that you're an outlaw. He nodded. If my real identity were known, the police could take me on the charge of robbery, but that charge would be a frame, just as this one is. I can never clear myself of the robbery charge, but I can and will clear the black hood of the charge of murder. Joe must have got that picture by accident. I was simply bending over that watchman at the Weedham plant gate to see if there was any chance that he was alive and had witnessed the crime. When I saw the knife, I planned to withdraw it from the watchman's throat to use it as possible evidence. You have to believe me, Barbara. I'm fighting this creature who calls himself the Eye, just as you are and just as the police are. You and I have been through a lot of adventures together. Ask yourself if I have ever done a single thing which would indicate that I would stoop to the slaughter of the innocent. Ask yourself that, Barbara. He took another step toward her. Her violet eyes glistened with tears. Joe Strong has tried to poison your mind against me, he said. I can't blame him for that, since all's fair in love and war. But you've got to believe me, Barbara. You've got to believe me because... Because I love you. I've always loved you, from the first day I set eyes on you. And... The gun spilled from Barbara's limp fingers, and suddenly she was in his arms. He held her fiercely, tenderly for a long moment, kissed her warm lips. And then there were sounds of footsteps in the hall. He heard Jeff Weedham say, Did, did, did anybody look in the library? Black Hood released Barbara, turned, dashed back to the French windows. He looked back before he plunged out into the darkness, and his teeth gleamed in a smile. Barbara was smiling, too, smiling and crying at the same time. There was a police guard at the gate of the Weedham estate, but then Black Hood had never cared a whole lot about using gates anyway. He raced across the lawn, vaulted over the wall which separated the Weedham property from the place belonging to the green-eyed Vida Gervais next door. To all appearances, the green-eyed lady was not at home, not unless those cat-like eyes of hers were capable of seeing in the dark. Black Hood found his way into the house through a window. Inside, the house was as silent as it was dark. Eventually, he found his way to Vida Gervais's boudoir, and there poked and sniffed among the boxes and jars of cosmetics on her dressing table. 
A box of face powder attracted his particular attention, and when he looked into the adjoining bathroom, he discovered a suitable means of testing the powder to make sure that it was the same which he had scraped from the coat lapel of the dead Jack Carlson. Evidently, the lady was somewhat concerned about her pale complexion, for there was a sun lamp in the bathroom. Beneath its ultraviolet rays, Black Hood discovered that the face powder took on a phosphorescent glow, proving that sodium naphthionate had been added to it. He took the powder with him when he left the house a few minutes later, dressed in a spare uniform of Vitor Gervais's chauffeur. It was an hour later that Black Hood came to an obscure little jewelry shop known simply as Tauber's. It was here that the eyes crimesters were supposed to pull their next job, according to the plans which had been set forth at the meeting on the night before. Whether or not Black Hood's unexpected appearance at that meeting had put a crimp in those plans, he did not know. But there was no way of learning except by trial and error. Except for a nightlight which glinted through the show window, the place was dark. Black Hood reflected that, had he any desire to live up to his false reputation as a criminal, he could have done very nicely for himself. It required just twenty minutes of work for him to open the window at the back of the shop, steal grillwork, burglar alarm, lock and all. It was rather a tight squeeze for his broad shoulders, getting through the opening, but he managed it. No sooner had his feet hit the floor, however, than he felt the cold, stern prod of the barrel of an automatic. All right, Mr. Hood, put up your hands. Black Hood jerked a glance over his right shoulder to behold the unlovely visage of Mr. Ron the Bugs Brayton. Hi there, Bugs, he said lightly, raising his hands to the level of his shoulders. Fancy meeting you here. Brayton laughed. If you'd have knocked at the front door, we'd have let you in, Mr. Hood. It's pretty early for a heist, ain't it? But we figured the early bird would get the diamonds. And then you was wised up to this job, wasn't you? Oh, I did hear mention of it at the lodge meeting last night, Black Hood said. He laughed. Isn't that Squid Murphy over there in the corner, trying to disguise himself as a corner of that safe? Murphy stepped out of the shadows. He had a gun in his fist. A third hood put in his appearance from the front of the store, and a fourth came out of Tauber's private office. You're just a little bit too late, Mr. Hood, Bugs Brayton said. That is, too late to get your hands on these beauties. Brayton extended his right arm in front of him. He was holding a small leather satchel, the mouth of the bag wide open. What light there was in the place scintillated on a layer of unset diamonds in the bottom of the bag. It was then that Black Hood got one of those sudden inspirations which had made him the underworld's most capable adversary. His right hand dropped with incredible swiftness to his wide black belt, snatched something from a concealed pocket there. That same hand shot out toward the bag of diamonds, lingered over its open mouth a moment before it clenched into a fist and hammered to the point of Squid Murphy's jaw. Murphy went back very fast and didn't stop until he had rammed into Tauber's safe. But the three other hoods closed in upon Black Hood. Bugs Brayton's big automatic rose and fell like an axe. The barrel of it caught Black Hood on the temple with stunning force. 
Black Hood fell to the floor, and an unidentified but effective Shuto caught the side of his head with a powerful kick. Blazing blobs of light exploded within his brain, and then the total blackness of unconsciousness funneled down upon his brain. Bugs Brayton stood over the fallen manhunter. He weighed his automatic thoughtfully in his hand. He looked at Squid Murphy and the others. "'Well, boys,' he said, "'I guess it's up to me to finish off Mr. Hood, "'and I can't say that I got any regrets about him dying so young.' He laughed, stooped over Black Hood, pressed the muzzle of his gun to the manhunter's forehead. "'Stop, Bugs!' came a whispered command from the front of the store. Brayton straightened, coming toward the group of crimesters around the unconscious Black Hood, was the man they knew as the Eye, his white rubber mask resembling a death's head in the half-light. "'It would be a grave mistake to kill Black Hood, Brayton,' the Eye said. "'Once he is dead, the police will turn their attention to others, perhaps to any one of us. You understand?' But the guy's dangerous, Squid Murphy protested. I'll take my chances with the bulls any day rather than with Black Hood. He won't be dangerous to us in prison, the criminal chief argued. Hand me the gems, Brayton. Brayton obeyed. He watched the eyes, slim white fingers reach down into the layer of diamonds, watched them sift the glittering gems. Then he took a dozen or so of the stones from the bag, transferred them to a pocket in Black Hood's belt. Now, he said, the frame is complete. I will take care of the gems, and as soon as I have sold them, I will split with you. Let's get out of here. So great was their fear of their leader that the crimesters obeyed without protest. Just outside the rear door of the jewelry shop, the criminal chief stopped, raised a whistle to his lips, and blew a skirling blast. "'What's the idea?' Brayton demanded, startled. "'To bring the police to the Black Hood, you fool!' End of Chapter 11